little while ago, I read a story about two city guys from Chicago. The story, uh, as I read it, takes place quite some time ago. They were sick and tired of the city life and just the mayhem and the pace and just lots of people and not lots of space. And so they decided they're going to leave Chicago and go to a place where uh, things are just a lot slower and simpler. Decide they're going to be farmers. Never farmed before in their lives, have absolutely no idea what they're getting into, but they're going to go and they're going to be farmers in Texas. <laughs> so these two boys, say uh, they get in a truck and they head on south, down south, and they get to this absolutely uh, four-building town. You know, you've, you've driven through them. No lights, but there's a post office, a bar, uh, a hardware store, and a hotel. That's about it. And um, they walk into this hardware feed store. They walk up to the owner, and they introduce themselves, and they say they're from Chicago, and they want to farm. And there are just dollar signs going through the head of the hardware store owner. He said, we've never done this before. We don't know what we're doing, but we're going we're gonna to do this. So tell us what we need. And the hardware store scratches. Hardware store owner scratches his head. He says, well, you need some seed. You need a plow, and you need a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And before you know, there's just a whole bunch of stuff thrown in the back of the truck. And on the way out the door, the hardware store owner says, there's just one more thing that you need. If you're going to farm... You need a mule, but I don't have any. But if you'll wait right here, it won't take me too long. It'll take me a while, but if you'll wait, I can get you the mule that you need. And the two guys from Chicago looked at each other, and they thought, no, we'll just get on down, and we'll see if we can't do this anyway. Hardware store looks at you, oh, okay. They walk out the door. They look to the left, and on the front porch of the hardware store, there's a box and this box is full of watermelons. Well, they've, they've never seen anything like that. So they look at the watermelons and they say, what are those? Hardware store owner smiles. He says, those, those are mule eggs. <laughs> you get one of those, for too long you'll have yourself a mule. So these guys smile, high five. Yeah, got a mule. Put the mule egg in the back of the truck and they get on down the road and they're going for a little while and they hit one of those uh, West Texas dirt roads, hit a bump, that mule egg pops up in the air outside of the truck, onto the, onto the road, smashes, it's broken in two and they see that thing hit the road in the rear view mirror and they just, no, we just lost our mule. Well, while they're getting out of the truck, what they don't realize is that one of those well-known Texas jackrabbits has come out of the woods, sees this watermelon on the road, starts eating the watermelon. They see that and they go, it hatched! It hatched! We got a mule! All we got to do is just wait and it'll be full size. We'll be good to go. They start walking over toward that smashed up uh, watermelon and that rabbit starts going. Anybody ever chased a rabbit on purpose? Ever done that? Well, you know what happens. That rabbit goes this way, that way, that way, this backwards, forward, sideways. They are wore out, and they don't have a rabbit, and uh, a.k.a. mule, hatchling. And um, uh, they sit down, and they said, you know, I'm not too sure about this. I don't think we really are cut out to farm in Texas. 
And the other guy says, I'm sure glad you said that because I don't think I could plow that fast. <laughs> think about it. You'll get it. You'll get it. You know, faith is a lot like that. You, um, you're not happy where you are and you decide you're going to go someplace that you've never been before. And sometimes you get advice from people who have never really met with Jesus, but they'll give you their opinion. And sometimes you end up bringing things in to the effort that have absolutely nothing to do with following Jesus. But you think that they're kind of essential. Before you know it, you're in the middle of the field trying to figure out how you got there and what you're going to do next. Following Jesus is not as hard as we make it out to be. But sometimes we make it out to be pretty hard. Because sometimes it's about holding on to things that we think are important. We can't let them go. And we're looking over here, and there are the things that are important, but we're afraid to pick them up. Because if we pick them up, it means we have to make a choice. Because we can only carry so much. We can only do so much. Before you know it, we're sitting in the middle of a field. We don't know what to do next. That's why James wrote what he did. James is not a rookie in any way, shape, or form. He knows the challenges of following Jesus. He understands uh, the cost, but he also is starting to get a glimpse of the return. And he wants you and I to know that notwithstanding the simple things that he says, they can be hard to live out because real people have real problems. And real people that have real problems talk to other real people who also have real problems. And when real people who have real problems in a real world come face to face with a real faith uh, uh, found upon a, a real savior, they start talking about it. And they start saying, listen, I used to be over here, but now I've been walking with Jesus. And let me tell you, it's a lot better. And we've been talking about what this real faith for real people looks like. It's not about mule eggs in the back of a truck on a road you've never been on before. It's about a life that we know and sometimes making uh, mistakes as we go along the way, learning from them, those, those mistakes and recognizing that God has always been there and he always wants to help us. And so we're reaching out to him and we're learning that uh, as we discussed in the first chapter that when it's all said and done, real faith can grow. It can grow. And, and it's, it grows through wisdom and it grows through endurance and it grows through trust. And we talked about that five weeks ago and how every one of us goes through those different cycles. And sometimes they're really simple and sometimes they're really intense, but we're growing through that. And, and those periods of growth, we look as, as opportunities more really than we do as burdens or struggles. God, I, I don't like what I'm going through. It's not fun right now, but I know you're going to forge in me a heart that follows you, uh, a life that is devoted to you. And it's a challenge, but faith 
can grow. And if it can grow, it grows healthy. All those things that you and I know about, a, a, a real faith is a healthy faith. And, that, and that's the point there. And as we're walking through those perspectives, we're, we're seeing, wait a second, it's, it's no different from a lot of other things that we see in life. We, we, we plant something in the ground and, and we plant three or four plants and uh, uh, there's one or two over here that are now brown or black and there's a couple over here that are green and healthy and we're recognizing the reality of that. And it's no different for our faith. And, and every once in a while, it's actually really healthy for you and I to take a, a self-assessment. Am I just walking through the motions? Am I just going through all of this? Is, is, is my faith, does it consist of 90 minutes on a Sunday morning and then Monday through Saturday doesn't matter? Well, that's not healthy. That's not vibrant. That's the dark brown or black plant. But when we're growing healthy, it's measurable. And you can see those things. And last week we talked about the perspectives of, James talks about things that uh, in some ways make us not healthy. The inability for us to control our words or having people around us that aren't healthy. Those two factors really can contribute to our spiritual unhealth. And in those contexts, we said, you know, uh, healthy people choose wise words and they choose wise friends. And there are more than a few of us sitting right here today that could say amen to that. But you know, the biggest challenge isn't even about controlling our words or choosing wise friends. Even if we're growing and growing healthy, the biggest challenge for us is staying healthy. That's the hardest challenge that we have. It doesn't matter how long we've known God, whether we've known him for 15 seconds or 15 years. It's staying healthy. Because uh, uh, there's more than a few of us sitting in this room right now who have been uh, at, at a time like this before. We hear something, we say, that's exactly right. I'm going to do this. That's it, God. No more of this and all of that. And we're on fire as, as right up until the point that we get in the car and drive out. And then the phone rings or there's a ding for a text. and Somebody challenges us. And the burdens that we left when we walked in, we pick right back up when we walk out. And James speaks to that. James, as I said, is not a rookie. He knows that there are challenges when we try to live like this. And as we, as we pick up this last section of, uh, of the book of James, there are five chapters in it, and I've, I've told you this each week, and I'm going to tell you again. I encourage you just to read it. It really is a quick read, and he doesn't speak profoundly. He's not an academian or philosopher. He's just a blue-collar guy carrying his lunch bucket to work just like everybody else, and he says, this is how you do it. Now, there's some depth to all of this, and we shouldn't avoid that depth. That's not what I'm saying, but lots of times it's the practicality of the things that give us those healthy routines day after day, week after week, year after year. We're not comparing ourselves to somebody else. We need to compare ourselves to who we were last week. 
See? And there's no profound teaching, so to speak, as much as there are convicting reminders of who Jesus calls us to be. If we are a people whose primary goal is to help people find and follow Jesus, having found him, we want to follow him. And in following him, we want to do that consistently. And James has some things to say about how we follow him and in doing so stay healthy. Read with me, if you will, along with some verses from James chapter 5. Excuse me. Um, He starts in verse 7. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who wait patiently for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't grumble about each other. I told you this was the simple stuff. You know, this doesn't, that verse doesn't really address anybody here. Don't grumble about each other for you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. Now, for examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, you know about Job. Now, uh, James is speaking to people who are going to be familiar with this. Job is an, uh, an ancient character. Uh, you can find, the, if you look in the Bible, in the Reverend, you can find a story on that. It's, it's a powerful story, and the patience of Job is an idiom that lots of people have known for years. But if you don't know that story, I encourage you to go back and read it. Uh, it says, he was a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him <clears throat> at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call the elders for the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings that sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. Now, to be sure... James is is kind of doing a shotgun here. There are lots of topics, lots of points. It's not possible to cover all of them in just this, the last part uh, of our time here. But there are a couple things that I do want to bring out. Again, not profound, but the steadiness of these attributes can make the difference between staying healthy and getting sick, spiritually speaking. First thing I want to bring out, James right away talks about patience. You know, the easy one. Patience. In the beginning uh, of this letter that he writes, the very first couple of verses, he says, consider it uh, an aspect of joy when you encounter a whole bunch of struggles, Shannon's paraphrase version. Consider it a really a, a good thing when you encounter a whole bunch of struggles because that produces endurance. And that endurance carries you along until you're complete. This is the process 
of patience. Patience is not necessarily learned. Hear me on this. It's not necessarily learned as much as it is remembered. You remember the struggle. You remember the hardship. You remember the death. You remember the pain. And in the midst of that, what you remember is feeling like you're never going to get through this. It's too much. It's more than you're able to handle. And then you look back a day later, a month later, a year later, and you think, I got through it. And what's really, really interesting is when you uh, begin to talk to somebody else who's where you were last week or last year. And you say, it's okay. You can do this. You can get through this. Listen, I've enjoyed uh, some family being with us and been having some real good conversations and long car rides and sitting at the dinner table. And um, Leslie and I are are empty nesters and and kind of been beyond that and talking to family who have kids in the easy years of life, high school, you know, (laughs) where um, all problems are resolved with a simple, casual conversation while walking out the door. There's absolutely no drama in any event, in any relationship. It's just really, really simple. And um, those times in life are characterized by two simple words that have have more vowels than consonants. And the words are, ah, and ah, all right. Those two words, you know, encapsulate the entire time when you're going through there. And in the middle of that, you're thinking, they're not going to live. Either I'm going to kill them or they're going to kill themselves. That's what you're thinking. When that's, and then you look back, and they get through it. Uh, sometimes with your help, sometimes not. But there's a lot of praying and a lot of patience. And it's not just the patience that you have with them. It's the patience that you have with yourself and the patience that God has with you. Because every once in a while, you've forgotten that you were that same teenage person 20 years, 30 years prior. And every once in a while, the believer has this kind of funny conversation with God. And God goes, yeah, you weren't like that at all. You laugh now, it's coming. No, that's, uh, it's that patience. Patience is really hard when you don't know what to do or you don't know what's going to happen next. But it's easier to be patient when you know who God is. Because you see, there's a history, there's a track record. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. You can look back and you say, I know I'm worried, but what I'm worried about now is different than what I was worrying about before. But what I was worried about before, God took care of me and he watched me through this. He helped me. And it may not mean anything to anybody else, but I know that he helped me. 
made a huge difference. We remember what he did. Because patience is about memory. I love what the psalm writer says. Psalm chapter 40 says this. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walk along. He's given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and they're going to be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. That's the dividend of patience. Is trusting God. First simple thing. Well, I should say the first thing. It's not simple. The first thing to staying healthy is having patience. Trusting that God's got this. The second thing is prayer. Sometimes this can be hard. Because we tend to measure prayer the same way we kind of measure a guy who cuts the lawn, you know? You ask him to cut, come and cut the grass, and if he cuts the grass, you can see that it's been cut. If he doesn't cut the grass, you call him and wonder where he is. We pray and we say, God, I thought you were going to cut the grass. I thought you were going to take care of this. I thought you were going to fix this. I thought you were going to work this all out. We want instant results for problems and challenges and needs that didn't come about instantly. Let me share with you a simple hypothetical situation followed by a simple question. You're going along in life and Most things are pretty simple and pretty good and you're relatively healthy and you're relatively secure and you know who you are and you know what you can do and you know what you can't do and uh, you figured this out in life and you just kind of go along. You don't spend too much. You don't um, extend yourself. You eat relatively well. You're trying to take care of yourself and so on, all those things. And suddenly you, you don't feel good. You just kind of slough it off a little bit because... Yeah, you'll get better. You know, a couple cups of coffee and a slice of rhubarb pie, which is really, really good, by the way. You'll be good, right? But you're not feeling any better. You go to the doctor and tell him what's going on, and he doesn't necessarily say anything. He just says, huh, let's run a couple tests, and um, let's see how this all turns out, and so right there in the doctor's office, you get some blood work done, and uh, Doc comes in. He says, could you stick around for a little bit? You're thinking, uh-oh, what's this mean? And um, then he comes in, and he's got a quiet, stern look on his face. He says, I got good news, and I got bad news. What do you want? Well, if you're like me, I want the bad news first. We'll get the good news second. He says, the bad news is it's terminal. And the only words you hear after that are kind of like Charlie Brown's teacher for a little while. Then you suddenly remember, oh, there's good news 
after that. Doc, what's the good news? Well, the good news is you can beat this. Now, you've got to change this about your life, and you've got to do this, and also you need to take this medicine once a day, every day. Your routine in life has to change. And this is going to make it possible. When you take this medicine, it will enable you to beat what would otherwise kill you. So here's my question. Are you going to take the medicine? Of course you are. Of course you're going to do it. Why? Because you you want to live. Because you trust the doctor. The doctor gave you the test. You know yourself you're not feeling well. He explains that the tests that they took show why you're not feeling well and then explains that when you take this medicine, it counteracts the very reasons why you're not feeling well and will help you to live. And so here James is saying that you need to pray. Because notwithstanding the fact that many of us have lived uh, quite a bit of life, there's still things that we don't know. There's still things that we don't understand. And we're reaching out to someone who does. He knows it, and he knows it about you, and he knows it about me. Do you know how much time Jesus spent in prayer? Maybe you don't know. Maybe you've never read that about him. But I want you to know when you read about the life of Jesus in the, the four books in the Bible that talk about him, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you, read, you just see this guy talking to people and then taking some time out and says, excuse me, I got to step aside. And he goes and he prays. He prays all the time. He even leaves people that are close to him to make sure that he can go speak to the one that he's closest to. Jesus prayed all the time. And if we're following him, I think that's a pretty good example. John shared some verses from Romans chapter 8, but he didn't share these. Romans chapter 8, starting with verse 25. We hope for what we don't have yet. That's one of the reasons why we pray. There's some things that we're not sure, not, not able to answer. There's some things going on that we're not sure about. There, there's some things that we need, and we ask God for that in those hopes that he will provide those things. And even if it's not what we think we need, he gives us what we really do need. That's what we hope for and then pray about. We hope for what we don't have yet. So we are patient as we wait for it. In the same way, the Holy Spirit helps us when we're weak. We don't know what we should pray for, but the Spirit himself prays for us. He prays through groans too deep for words. Did you hear that? Even when we're overwhelmed, even not when we're on the other side, and and we can look back and see where we're in the middle of it. And and, and what happens is when you're so tired and you're so worn out and you say, I don't have any tears anymore. I don't have any more words to say. I've talked about it. I've worried about it. I've asked and I don't even want to do. God says, I know what you're going through. For me, this is what God says to us. For me, your tears have words. Your groans are understandable. And I hear those things, and I understand what's going on. You see, 
It's not really about our weakness as much as it is about God's goodness to us over and over. Do you remember what we sang? Your goodness is coming after me. I love that song. It's about patience. Staying healthy is about prayer. And lastly, the easy one, forgiveness. Forgiveness. Why did you have to bring that one up? I'm I'm serious, Shan. Why did you have to bring that one up? You don't know. You don't know what he did. You don't know what they said. God does. God knows. You know what? Forgiveness is forgiveness is the difference between treading water and swimming. When you're treading water, really the only thing that you're accomplishing is keeping your head above water. That's it. After a while, it becomes harder and harder to keep your head above water. You get fatigued. And you suddenly realize that the only thing you're focusing on is keeping your head above water because you're not going anywhere. You're going wherever the current says you're going. You're not going in the direction that you want to go or need to go. Before too long, fear, not fatigue, but fear takes over. And it's so hard to have the water line right here and know what's next. Swimming is different. Swimming says, I'm leaving this place. I'm going somewhere. Whatever was holding me back, I am not, I'm not going to talk about that anymore. I'm not going to hold on to that anymore. I'm not going to let it hold on to me anymore. I am letting go. And I'm going, I'm leaving the deep water. I'm leaving the dark water. I'm leaving the cold water. And I'm swimming to dry ground where I can stand up And I can take a breath and I can get strong again. And I can get healthy and I can stay healthy. That's what forgiveness is. Maybe you need to forgive someone. Frankly, you don't even need to tell them. Because forgiveness most of the time has nothing to do with what was said or what was done. Because if you're still thinking about something that happened years ago and it still has a hold on you and it's those 10 and 20 pound weights that are tied to your ankles while you're trying to tread water, uh, the, the, the event, the words, that's not the issue anymore. It's you thinking about them, you focusing on them that just compels you and pulls you down. And James says, don't do that. Forgive one another. And when he says, confess your sins, I, I, I want you to understand that in, here's a really good general principle to apply in that context. If something happened public, make the confession public. If something happened privately, make that private. And oh, by the way, you and God is private. Okay? 
It's not about coming down here on a Sunday morning and standing up and saying, hang on just a minute, let me get my list. And talking that way. That's not what James is talking about. He's talking about letting go of the junk. Stop dragging the bags around and let the forgiveness of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God cover you and help you. Ephesians chapter 4 says this. Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Okay. Show of hands. Patience, prayer, forgiveness. Which of the three is the easiest? Patience? Is it prayer? Is it forgiveness? Or does it just depend on where you are when I ask the question? It's all hard. We're all growing. And we're growing together and we're encouraging one another. And the day where I have nothing left to say and I can't pray, you're praying for me. And the day when uh, you're having a hard time forgiving someone, I'm reminding you that you've been forgiven too. And on the day when we both can't take it anymore, somebody else comes up and says, it's all right, I've been there. You'll be okay. Because sometimes we tend to think that faith is like a mule egg. It's this fanciful thing that nobody really can get a hold of. It doesn't really have an impact on our life. And sometimes it's even just a story. It's not real. It's talking to a guy in a hardware store who could actually care less about me, but just wants to sell me something else. And it's leaving a place that I thought was too busy and I couldn't handle it to go to a place that will be so much easier to live in. And doing something that I've never done before, but everybody else can do it, so I guess I can too. We find ourselves in a field, exhausted, wore out, and having no idea what to do next. And James says, no, that's not how God works. And that's not where God leaves you. He doesn't sell you a a bill of goods and then abandon you. He knows exactly where you are. He understands exactly what you're going through. And if you're not sure, you ask for wisdom and he gives it to you. And if you don't think that he knows where you are in the middle of a storm, he says, I know exactly where you are. Be patient because tomorrow's going to be better. It's okay. You're going to get through this. Because that's what real faith for real people is like when they live in a real world and ask for a real God. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the hope that we have, the joy that you give. Lord, there are days that are really, really hard. And there are things that are going on that we don't understand and we wonder if you're listening at all. And then the struggle passes and we come to find out that you were always there. You hurt us all the time. 
You walk with us. You give us guidance. You encourage us. God, we're not trying to figure it all out ourselves because we know that we can't. But we're asking you to help us, and we're asking you to help those that are around us. God, we don't want to leave here and be on a spiritual high for about 20 minutes only to find out that the, that the world is bigger than you are. We know that's not true. You have overcome everything that we're going to struggle with. And so, God, we are asking for your wisdom. We're asking for your encouragement. We're asking for your strength. Because there are some days that we can do okay, and then there are a lot of days where we're just, we're just treading water. Thank you for rescuing us. Thank you for lightening our load. Thank you for helping us to swim ashore. God, as we close this out, we want our faith to be real so that other people can see the hope that we have, the gratitude that we have, what it's like to smile and breathe again. Thank you so much for the love that you've given us. We say all this in Jesus' name. Amen.